With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. Welcome to Atlanta Baseball Talk, show number 502. The show I honestly never thought we would do. A reunion show. Hey. Uh, hey. We should have milked it for a few more years, guys. Like Really? I the think- nerve of the Braves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so today is Sunday, November 6th, 2021. And my name is Steve. I'm joined by both Hammy and Curtis. And folks, please help spread the word about this very special episode. If you do, it guarantees the Freddy extension gets announced by the end of the week. All right. In tonight's show, we look back at the Braves' improbable playoff run and celebrate the ass-kicking they doled out to the Astros in the World Series. But first, a quick break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so guys, before we... um get into the playoffs and the reason we came back because you know we're world champions forever yes and the money uh, <laughs> I, I thought <laughs> to pay the bills what was that to pay the bills the money yeah. it was running out it's like the, the friends cast holding out <laughs> they really got taken care of exactly um so i thought it'd be interesting to talk about what it was like to watch a brave season without the podcast for the first time since 2006. I mean, just this alone, it's weird to pretend to be friendly with you guys again. <laughs> your name is Scott. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm mixing up your voices this time. <laughs> Ham, <laughs> what, what was it like for you this year? Well, I will tell you. <laughs> oh, no, I've forgotten who I am. Um I'll tell you, it was sort of a it was sort of a relief. I I actually I'll just come out and say it. I did not watch a full Braves game until like August. Like I watched, I think I watched uh, opening day maybe a little bit of and was following. And but I just, I mean, obviously watched the scores, watched the box scores and stuff like that. But I just did not watch it with the rigor um, that I used to watch it with and. It was sort of nice. I mean, it was just a nice change of pace because I, 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 I didn't worry about them so much. It wasn't all the angles like, what are we going to talk about, or you know what? And and I just was sort of able to reset, um, which I think was nice after the how bitter last season ended. Um, so it was. Um, I watched them from afar, and then I got you know, I just it was sort of a different fan experience. Obviously, when we started watching them in August, I mean, I don't think our texting slowed down at all throughout the year, the three of us. But um, 
it was just sort of, I don't know. I, I watched the Hawks. I got way into the Hawks and just sort of waited for the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was interesting how, for me, like how clear the, my, not to overstate it, but like, you know, come Sunday night, like my emotional well-being about if the team had done well or not that week, because it really like impacted the show, you know, I mean, and it really like, yeah, it affected me. It was nice to be able to just unplug from that. And like you said, Ham, I, um, I was not watching as closely and my God, it was such a disaster of a start yeah. to the season. Well, that's, were, a- I mean, we texted each other so many times about, Glad we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's so Glad true. we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Can you imagine doing a show this week? What a tough week, you know? Yeah, totally. absolutely. Curtis, how about you? Yeah, same. I mean, it was sort of weird having Sunday nights free to watch um, recurring series live as opposed to watching them, you know, Tuesday of the into the week. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think over the course of the first half of the season, I think I probably followed I, I, based on the text that went back and forth between the three of us. I think I was probably following them more than you guys were. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it, it was it was it was not exciting. It was depressing. Um, it was seeming like missed opportunities. And frankly, the missed opportunities were by the Phillies and the Mets that they did not both when given their opportunities run away from the division, uh, the division that was supposed to be one of the best in baseball with four teams and potentially the Marlins, even after making playoffs last year, being a really interesting team. It was just a really bad division for at least until the all-star break, just, you know, no team really playing well, no team taking control of any of it and letting, uh, the, the Braves, obviously, who ended up winning the division, hang around when they had nothing going their way. So it was probably good that we didn't have to ruminate on that. I mean, we did we did those shows for like eight years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So God I'm, bless the Mets and the Phillies this year. Yes. So I'm glad we didn't spend three months rehashing every bad week that the Braves doled out. Because it's so, I mean, well, with, yeah, with that, because they're, they didn't make the huge moves on the, I mean, I guess they, they brought in Morton and stuff, but like there was just not the moves. The bullpen was bad. There would have been a, there would have been a lot to pick apart. And then with the Ozuna stuff, it would have been morbid. I'm glad we didn't do those shows. <laughs> yeah. But boy, then it got good. Yeah. And it got real good. So let's, um, so let, let's start with the NLDS. So Curtis. What was your confidence heading into it facing the Brewers? Uh, I was insanely confident against the Brewers. I'm not sure why I was so confident, but um, I was shocked that like reading sports publications, specifically the athletic that I that I'm subscribed to, that there was not one person that picked the Braves to win that series. And I could never for the life of me understand how the national perspective on that series taking the this you know the the Braves uh record aside the Braves were the third had the third best winning percentage uh at least since the all-star break maybe the second half behind the Dodgers and the Giants who of course were having an historic run out west to see who could win that division um so for the Brewers to just be an overwhelming favorite in that 
in the national eyes than that series. I just, for the life of me, I could not understand. I mean, their it offense felt lazy. was terrible. It just felt lazy. Yeah, like, they had starting pitching, but that was it. You know, I mean, the Braves were such the more dynamic, rounded team than the Brewers were going. And I mean, Kristen Yelich was a shell of himself, you know. Um, I just, I, I could never understand that, and I still don't. And I I, I was 100% certain we were going to win that series. Yeah, it was as if the national writers just looked at season-long stats. That's what I mean, lazy, just yeah. lazy. Not even, yeah. just thinking like, and not even thinking about like what the last six weeks would mean versus the last right. six months and like completely different team. You know, it's like they and, read the headlines I mean, like, oh, they lost Acuna, you know, they only won 88 games. They're, you know, they're not going to win. The Brewers are just much tougher. They won a lot more games and just have better starting pitching and they can hit more. It's just lazy, lazy reporting. Yeah. yeah. It made me mad. I was so con- – I was too – that was the most confident I was of any of the series. Sure. Um, and so, it, you know, we lose game one, which was not great, but we didn't seem overmatched. Like, I was not that wigged out. Um. It was like one bad, two bad pitches. Yep. He hit, he hit the, hit the batter and then, um, Telez hit the two run homer. And other than that, we just couldn't score, but we completely, I mean, Morton was, was almost, you know, it was almost unhittable in that game other than those two at bats. And that was one at the offset of the playoffs where you felt like, Oh boy, is Snitker going to be able to manage in the postseason? Because he clearly should have pulled Morton before the start of this inning. Yeah, and I, I think we'll talk about Snitker as we go on. But I honestly, there's about one game I could point to that I didn't think Snitker just pushed all the right buttons. No I doubt, thought he was kind of magical. And it was that game, right? Yeah. Well, no, it was actually <laughs> well, it was in the World Series. Yes. Right when he sort of gave up in game five, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He well, over there, Steve. Yeah, I mean, my um, and I because we'll get to it. I, you know, I, I think a measure of my confidence was that the Solaire news came, and I was like, all right, we're still gonna win. I was just, I felt like it didn't matter. You know? Right. I mean, that was kind of a theme, right? That the Braves had overcome so much stuff throughout the year. Yep. That they were, I I imagined that they were not wigged out about it because it was next man up all season. Yeah. Yep. What's um, so rare? The COVID stuff? Well, he missed the Brewers series because. Yeah, he yeah. missed no, no. the Brewers. I thought he missed the Dodgers series. He missed the first couple of games of the Dodgers series and then came back, right? And then was off the off the bench. He didn't play in the Brewers series. No, that may <laughs> Did I get that wrong? As, as we are emphasizing the few games that we watched, um, I swear we really did watch all the playoff games. No, I think that it was heading into the Dodgers series. Yeah. All right. He played in the Brewers, but he didn't really do anything in the Brewers series. I don't even remember who really the hero was of the Brewers. It was sort of an, I guess Jock Peterson was really the guy who had the huge homers in the, or had a huge homer in the Brewers series. Yeah, well, and, you know, yes, Jock, you know, we started to get the full Jocktober experience in the Brewers oh, series. You're right, you're right, you're right. But then there was the Freddy game, you know, which was just the greatest. I mean, it was just one of the greatest 
playoff brave experiences I remember. So this was right. This was game four. This was the clincher. Yeah. Five tie game. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and, and Freddie hits that first pitch Homer off of hater. And it, it was truly as good a moment as a fan as I'd had at that point. I mean, one to see him celebrate like he did running around the bases. Never seen him that happy. Yeah. I'd never seen him that happy. Never ever. Until, a minute later when he took his curtain call yeah, where he even outdid his enthusiasm running around the bases. I mean, it was just, to me, that was when I was like, Oh, maybe something really special can have here, you know, can happen here. It was so Um, great. I mean, it was, I, you know, when you read the, the news the next morning, I read about that at bat and hater and all the stats about how hard it was for a lefty to hit a homer off of him and how Freeman was the only one. I mean, all of the, the stats and how rare and how huge that was. I could not get enough of it. It was so great. That was, that was, that was maybe that. I mean, obviously winning it all, but that was probably one of my top three moments of the, the entire postseason was that homer by Freddie. It was so great. And his, his happiness was just amazing. Well, right. It made it feel more special because he never shows his emotions like that. It was right. so good. You know, and in the Brewer series, we started to get a glimpse of how special the bullpen would be. Like, aside from a Noah who pitched in one game and gave up a couple runs, not a single bullpen pitcher gave up a run. And Smith got all three saves. I mean, my God, in August and September, we were just begging Please don't bring Smith, Smith in. to be yeah. pulled from the closer role. And Kurt, I mean, I remember a specific text from you of like, there's no way this doesn't come back to haunt us at least one game in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I agreed that he was going to melt down. All of a sudden there was going to be two men on and no outs. And it was going to be a nightmare and not to spoil it, but that never happened. Right. <laughs> it was just Luke, just Luke for looked it. it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was actually at game four, um, the only playoff game I got to go to, but it was sensational. Um, I, you know, it's, I did not, I'm trying to, I think I went to two games this year and one, the the experience of being back in the stadium, a packed stadium, uh, was something you really missed. Uh, just the crowd, the energy, the noise, everything else. And obviously it being the playoff game, it being a game where they could clinch, um, after all the playoff frustration the Braves have had over the, the past few years, obviously they got through the first couple of rounds last year, but still seems tenuous every time the Braves make it to this point. And um, it was so loud and the crowd was so into it from the first pitch. You know, the Braves got down two to nothing in that game. They fought back and got it back to two. Then, you know, as you mentioned, came in, gave up a two run homer, which you sort of felt like, gosh, hopefully that's not the the backbreaker here because, you know, it was not good in any capacity the second half, let alone in the playoffs. I know he ended up going on, uh, you know, hurting himself, which obviously I wasn't rooting for. But um, and then they fought back again, you know, yeah, just, same it was Rosario, both it was times. No, it was a lot of these guys that sort of played big roles, had big hits. I mean, Darno did not. You know, if you look at his batting average, he did not really do much in the playoffs, but he had huge hits, seems like singles that would get him on to start innings or something like that. He had a huge hit in that game. And then you, they bring in Hader and, you know, Freddie hits that homer. And I mean, the place just was just deafening. I mean, it was unbelievable how how crazy that place was. And it, it was it was awesome. It was so much fun um, to be part of it. 
and to be there in person just to be witnessing it. It's been a long time. I think the last playoff game I was at was with you, Steve, when Brooks Conrad had three errors in one inning and we lost to the Giants. I think that was the last playoff game I'd been to. So it was pretty awesome. That one was better? Yes, the Brooks yeah. Conrad one was definitely better. <laughs> no, no, I meant the Freddie one, but I mean, yeah, I, I can no, appreciate what you're saying. A yeah. little, although yeah. that that game, th- that San Francisco game, was when Eric Hinsky hit that home run. That was insanely loud. But that was, was one of the loudest, uh, crazy. Yeah, stadium experiences I've had. Uh, but it was, yeah. I mean, it was it was so awesome. It was so great, and and you felt like that there was something special happening with the crowd, with the Braves, with everything. Yeah. For that to be a moment. No doubt about it. So we get past the Brewers. Now, you know, as we as we start to talk about the NLCS, I was really rooting for the Cardinals for oh one day. God. Yes. <laughs> we were all Cardinals fans for one day. And then the Giants. Um, and then the Giants, because I was like, look, we can match up with the Giants. I want nothing to do with the Dodgers. Scary, scary. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, look, the only good thing about facing the Dodgers was that because they were a wildcard team, we had home field. And And they had played a long series against the the Giants and you hoped having them come across country and everything else that it would, you know, be something that they could take advantage of. Yeah. And just their grind throughout the, you know, second half of the regular season. You hope, but still, this was the least confident I was in going into any come even everything we just said about that Brewer series. I was one hundred percent there, and then the day of the Dodger series, the PTSD started coming back, and I started seeing Betts and Sager and Turner and Will Smith. You know, I like, and I was like, oh my god, and all those arms. I was nervous. I was super nervous. I was not confident about the Dodgers, and then yeah. they had Scherzer. Now and Bueller and Urias, who has you know only twenty game winner, God and Trey Turner, who hits a thousand right. against us, right? And yeah, and Trey Turner, right? And then Kenley Jansen was like fully. I mean, it was like, but what I didn't realize is that once it started, is that they are they are not the team they were last year. Like giving up Kiki Hernandez, giving up Jock Peterson, their bench was much weaker. And David Roberts, I mean, Kurt, you sort of we were mentioning he blew their bullpen. He used them way too much. I guess we'll talk about it now as we get he through. He panicked. It. He yeah, he, Roberts panicked. He panicked and, and had, we ended up seeing them so many times that we had the advantage the whole series. It felt like we had the advantage pretty much the entire series against them. Go ahead. Steve. And look, the Braves bench was not great, but in 2020 as that as that NLCS wore on, it it was the Dodgers bench that was so strong and so superior to ours that was one of the big reasons that we just couldn't hang on yeah you know and ham you're right like that was a good and glaring thing to see that oh it's not they are not what they were the year before and we are better yeah and yes absolutely um and i mean what you know winning the first two games of course amazing you get the jock mat you know the jock peterson magic is still going on the Rosario. Um, yeah, game two, exactly, as I was going to say, oh, yeah. is where Rosario, like otherworldly Rosario, starts to show up. That was his – I mean, his homers and stuff were amazing in game th- – was that um, later on in the series, right, where he had those two homers. But um, that tagging up from first and taking second and then coming around and scoring on that Albies hit and just his slide and that – 
was maybe the most pumped I was throughout the entire series. Like that moment I was, was so inspiring. Like that was like, you know, and so happy to have Rosario. Obviously that was so amazing. He was such, so key, so key. And some great things, uh, you know, as well, like we were talking about uh, Roberts. I mean, for one thing, so Scherzer pitches game two and is clearly not himself, which was, you know, good news. Yes. Roberts panics and brings in Urias, who'd knock him out of the bullpen like all year. And he blows the game. Um, yeah, it was an <laughs> it was a nice start to that series. Yeah. Well, and it was that, you know, it was that last game against the Giants when when they brought in Scherzer to close out that game. Right. That seemed like it blew his arm out. You know, cuz he said after that start uh that he had a dead arm. Yeah. Right. Right. And then and we'll get to it later on in the series but where he can't go. Right. In game 6 because of it. So yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Man. Well, no, I mean, we've talked, but uh, I don't know if you're going to get to pass game three yet, but just walking off back to back at home, that moment of, you know, Dansby scoring and Riley, I, I'm getting them mixed up, right? But Riley the first night and then Rosario single to score Dansby and just the celebrating at the plate and just the crowd going crazy were heady times. It was so great. Well, so and great. getting to Trine and getting to you, uh, Kinley Jansen, you know, getting to their their incredible bullpen and knocking these guys around early on. I, I can't imagine the confidence it built with the Braves, knowing that they could get hits off of these guys, you know, guys that are unhittable. Yeah. Yeah. A guy like Gonsolin, who we couldn't touch last year, we touched up early. Right. Um, yeah. So, okay. So we're up 2-0. We head to LA. We need to win one. I mean, like, we have to win one game. And although we lost game three, Bueller was not even that dominant, which, again, I didn't want to lose game three, but it felt like, you know, we're still in a pretty good position. And game four, that's the Rosario, the cycle that was not to be because, you know, instead of a double, he hit a second home run. Um, Smiley has his big appearance and is, you know, shuts down the, you know, eats some innings and, and keeps the, the Dodgers right where we needed them. I mean, it was, yeah, uh, game four was amazing. And the, you know, Rosario heroics continuing. Yeah. Although back to game well, three. Well, game three. Game- Ahead, yeah, Kurt. I mean that was that was the one you it, you know you really sort of pushing us back to last year where we won the first two, we lost game three, we won we came back and won game four. You know, it was it was like mirroring them so much, and it, it, you know there were parts of me that I was like, oh my god, this is going to happen again. This is going to play out the same script yep. that it did last year. And poor Luke Jackson, you know, I mean. Really not a bad pitch idea. I looked over at my oldest son, and we were watching that game. And, um, you know, the first pitch, he completely fooled him with the breaking ball. The second pitch, he blew by him with the fastball. And I looked at my son, and I said, God, you just got to elevate that fastball to, like, bill cap high, and he'll go fishing for it. And he just didn't elevate it it enough. And also that, you know, for him to go up there and get that ball. That's an amazing hit. Amazing. Amazing hit. Yeah. 
I'm Curtis. I'm with you. I mean, shocking. And that's where I, that's where the PTSD <laughs> reared its ugly head again. I was like, crap. Luke Jack. I mean, cause you know, Luke felt it always sort of feels like a weak spot, even though he's was amazing this year and, and was amazing in all the other times throughout the postseason. But like, yeah, all those, all the doubts came back in game three and it was Bellinger. Of course it was Bellinger. It just felt yeah. like. Right. You you could have predicted that in the second inning that Bellinger's going to come up and hit that homer. I don't know. It just felt so like a foregone conclusion. But then to come back um, and hit all those homers in game four and just own them was delicious. Yeah. And then to your point about the PTSD, Ham, game five, Freed falters. Not much goes right, really. In game five and that three, one series PTSD stuff really starts creeping back in. (laughs) Let's be honest. We never, it never went away. We were never confident in this series for a second. (laughs) I think I was, maybe we will jump to the last, to game six. I, to be honest, when Rosario homered in game six and, um, and we were cruising along, like we were cruising with the pitching. I was like, okay, we're going to win this. And once yeah. Matzik came out, I'm like, we are actually going to beat the Dodgers. We're not going to give this up. I don't know. I felt like we were we didn't have to see Jackson again, um, and and it was nerve wracking the entire time. And it was also so rewarding when we beat the effing Dodgers. <laughs> well, it was amazing. I mean, yeah the that appearance by Luke was grim. I mean, it was double walk, double. One run scored and four two men on second and third, no out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, and look, I was excited that he was bringing Matzik out. It was time to pull Luke, of course, but God, I wasn't confident, confident. Um, but there came Matzik, you know, with his wheelbarrow and his two biggest assets. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, so, right, strike out Pujols, strike out Souza, and then that, the Mookie at bat. Yeah. Of three fastballs, two looking, and the third he swings through. It was art, you know? Yeah. Yep. It was so I great. was, so my wife and I that night were in Athens visiting our oldest. And we, you know, we were back at the hotel by then and, and, By that time that inning came up, my wife was asleep. And so I'm watching and like screaming, you know, and waving my, but all silently. (laughs) (laughs) It was like silent movie stuff. Um, But you were also worried that one of the best relievers that you had all season long was now gone because he, that homer that he gave up to Bellinger, that it had completely shot him. Yeah. You know, because head. of that, 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 uh, you know, the follow up was the next game, which I, uh, the, the second big glaring snitker mistake was this one. Uh, I felt like he should have thrown Jackson out of there, out there, and that blowout loss that we had, um, and at least let him get back out there and get his feet wet in the game, as opposed to bringing him right back in. Um, the the next appearance he has is in this incredibly pressure packed situation. And he clearly was rattled still, you know, I mean, he, 
didn't have his faculties about him and it showed in the inning that he came in and you worried like god we we can't get through this series and the next without the luke jackson that we had all season long because he was so good yeah I, i don't know that i agree with you though kurt like luke had been the best guy in the bullpen for months in the second half um and look, it's 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 part of Snitker's magic yeah. of I put believe right in back these out guys, there. and I'm just going to put him back out there, and you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but I didn't think it was like, yeah, I, I didn't think it was a terrible strategic decision. I um, was. It did make. I mean, of all, but the it people, was worrisome. Yeah, Don't get me exa- wrong. Exactly. Of all the people who could get a psychological blow and then all of a sudden not be able to throw strikes, Luke would be first in line for me. So I was I was nervous as well. Yeah. That was going to happen, but uh, and and back to Matzik real quick. I mean, you know, we will forever remember that seventh inning and him coming in and getting three straight outs. But then they send him out again in the eighth, and in like ninety seconds is out of the inning. Yeah, I mean, it was. I went back and looked today. Three pitch strikeout of Seager, two pitch ground out to third Trey Turner, three pitch ground out to third for Will Smith. It was an. It was an eight pitch eighth inning. Through their and at that point, two, three, and four. Just done. Through their yeah. two, three, and four, right? I mean, like exactly. the heart of their lineup. And to get Mookie the inning before, just insane. So I, I mean, it is amazing looking back how we handled these lineups. You know, aside from the Brewers, which obviously did not have a did not have a great lineup, and Yelich was clearly not himself. I mean, he struck out to end that series on a ball right down looking, the middle. Yeah. Looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, almost like conceding the series that he was just done. Um, but Chris Taylor was the guy that killed us in the Dodgers series. Will Smith did nothing. Bellinger did nothing. I mean, not sorry. Seeger did nothing. Mookie did nothing. Um, you know, we, we held all those guys in check and I'm sure that somebody will correct me that one of those guys went crazy on us, but I don't remember it, you know? Um, and you felt like it would, it, every single time it, you, it was like, how many times are these guys going to bat in the series? And I remember we used to text and be like, please don't let this be the Albert Pujols hits a three run homer and yeah. it's going swan song game. And he looked foolish. I mean, he, he looked, looked he looks old and, and fat and like he, he needs to retire bad. Um, and it just the pitching, I, I don't think Amazing. enough was made of the pitching in the playoffs that the Braves just put forth. It was incredible. Oh, well, especially, I mean, it wasn't Chris Martin was not incredible, right? I mean, some of the pitching was, but like it mentor Matzik, the night shift, right? Smith and Jackson were just the MVP. More, I mean, they they were the MVP of the entire postseason. Those four guys. I mean, they are the reason that we won the World Series. More, yeah, so than and it, that's right. Because the starting pitching went went very short. Was not, you know, Ian Anderson had one great game. Uh, he had a couple. Had, he had a good start against the Brewers. But well, right, one but great yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. The no hitter yeah. was, was the great game. Yeah, uh, Freed had the brilliant game to close out the World Series, but his. He had a shaky start against the Astros. He had a shaky start against the Dodgers. Troy Morton, obviously, uh, it was not terrible, but it was not crisp. I didn't feel like either. You know, I mean, not like the dominant guy you sort of needed in the postseason. Kyle Wright had an amazing appearance. Smiley had an amazing appearance. Jesse Chavez had amazing yeah, appearance. True. You know, I mean, there was just guy after guy after guy. There, you know, there was only a couple of guys that you felt like when they went out there that they. You know, that the situation, and I mean, it was like, uh, 
Yeah, I know. In Martin. Yeah, you know it was bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Chris Martin know, even had a good appearance in the Dodgers series. Yeah, he had one, one or two bad outings to start the playoffs and then got much better toward the end of it. And then, you know, like the, the Lee start, which was almost too much to ask um, to put him in in that situation. But that's when you had the brilliance from Kyle Wright come out. And then I can't even remember uh, who was it. Tucker Davidson. Is that who started game four game five game yeah. five? I mean, again, you, I mean, you're asking a lot of a young guy who's really not had any experience on the major league level to pitch game five of the world series. Well, so. and having to deal with two bullpen games when heading into that Astro series, you're thinking, you know, Morton freed Anderson each twice cover right. one game. Um, yeah, and but then, so, then all of a sudden you're looking at four games left, two bullpen games, one free game, one Anderson game, and Freed has looked horrible. You're like, exactly. wait a minute, but I get and, ahead of myself. You know, I don't, I don't remember when Freddie said it. It may have been heading into the NLCS or after they won the NLCS. But you know, Freddie had a quote that was essentially, "To be the best, you've got to beat the best." Hmm. And. You know, I mean, getting past the Dodgers, my confidence level got really high and into the World Series, to be honest. You know, it was it was another monkey off our back getting past the NLCS, not blowing a three one, you know, series lead like they really were. I mean, the whole Freddie kill the narrative stuff was just brilliant. Yeah, Um, it was a great soundbite. I'm sure it was a great motivator in the clubhouse. And it was and it was also just astute and exactly right. Like, that's what that's what this run had to do and did. And we beat it. There was a swagger. I mean, there was a swagger that the Braves had this year that, well, at least in the playoffs that I don't know that I've seen from them since 95 to be quite honest i mean they've not had sort of these characters on their team these sort of braggadocious guys they're they've always been very buttoned up um and they have not really had these big personalities on their team save back in the day david justice and Deion sanders and those type of guys it has been a long time well, they've had yeah. a guy like that. And I mean, it's Jock Peterson. I feel like he was the key ingredient, whether he didn't hit at all in the NLCS and the World Series, which he really did not. Um, but I felt like that was the that was the piece as much as as important as Solaire and Rosario Rosario were on on the field. Duvall, um, it was it was Jock Peterson's swagger that that propelled the team and made them that much more confident to be able to get through this thing. There's no doubt. I don't, I, it was either the NL East clincher or the NLDS clincher, but it was a Darno post game interview. And and he was asked, you know, when did you all start believing or when did things turn around? And he was immediately was like the second jock Peterson walked into the clubhouse. He lightened everything up and he was like, this is a good team. There's no reason we can't get there. And, and I mean, TDA pointed directly at Peterson that he was the catalyst that turned the season around. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. You know, Anthopolis has talked about some of his moves in Toronto 
where, and I don't remember what season it was. I'm sorry. I'll, I will butcher this, but he brought in a bunch of guys for a postseason run and it didn't go well. And it was afterward that he realized how important chemistry was. The glue and it guy. was coming out of that. Yeah. It was coming out of that trade deadline that he realized it's, it's, you know, chemistry is as important as anything. And he really looks to that now. I mean, Charlie Morton, you got, I mean, Charlie Morton, every postseason interview about from Charlie Morton was, it's not even about winning or losing for me, man. It's about creating relationships with the guys. I don't know why he was like a sixties. This is bad. Exactly. But that was really his whole message. It was, you know, and they, and again, you started to hear them talk about it as the postseason went on that the, the, you know, the, the secret ingredient was love. Yeah. That's what Peterson said in the, uh, when we clinched the NLE, see the, they were all in the fountain celebrating, right? And he's got his pearls and that giant cigar. He's like, what's one word that you could say that got you here? And he's like, it's love. Yeah. It's just, just a little bit of love. Yeah, exactly. That, what's it going to take to win in this postseason? And it's amazing. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it, and, and it's interesting because there's, these have been likable guys for forever. The core of Acuna and Albies and Swanson and Freddie and, you know, there's been this core there, but like it needed, I don't know. Maybe it needed the to have gotten to the precipice last year and then not succeeded and then come back and gotten sort of off to a rough start and just had to earn it every day up to the end. But like they were so, I mean, Kurt, you said it, just the confidence coming. They didn't, they didn't accidentally beat the Dodgers, right? It wasn't like last year where we didn't really deserve to be there and we got amazing starts from Bryce Wilson, right? I mean, and Kyle Wright and Ian, I mean, we got, we were so lucky to even be up three to one. It felt like, you know, and just, we yeah. couldn't hold on long enough. There was no luck this year. I mean, we marched in fully believing in ourselves and ready to kick ass. And we did it all the way through. I mean, heading yeah. into the, the Astros series, I felt confident. I didn't feel that this confident because the Astros are so formidable, but, um, that confidence from beating the Dodgers and, and all that stuff you're saying and all the post-game interviews and just the way the team was talking about each other and the way Snicker was talking about it. I mean, I walked into that Astro series more confident than I felt like I should have been at the time. Well, I was particularly confident heading into the Astros series, if only because it was going to be the third worst um, you know, starting rotation and bullpen that we had seen in the postseason. Yeah, like like we had got we we had come through the the pitching gauntlet already, like you know, it I was I was worried about their offense of course, but our bullpen was kicking so much ass, and we had Charlie and Freed and Anderson lined up. Yep. Um, little did we know. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I was pretty confident. You know, I was pretty confident about it. Go into Houston and win one, get home field advantage. Um, and yeah, you know, and the fact that, that, you know, Framber Valdez was starting game one and he had had two really bad postseason starts and one good one. And then we jumped all over him. I was like, oh, this is going exactly to script, you know, until Morton broke his leg. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I still can't believe. Um. And it was a gut punch, but winning game one, of course, made that, you know, 
much better. I mean, Solaire, I mean, that that was the first of Solaire's heroic home runs was game one. Yep. And then Minter. Right. Minter. Uh, right. Another, it, it was like his last year NLCS magical, you know, um, starter. Right. Uh, you right. know, putting in three innings. I forgot he started as well. Yeah, who that's crazy starters last year against the Dodgers. Anyway. Um but yeah, and then the rest of the pen, right? I mean, to see all the guys come out and just pick it right back up where they had been in LA was so comforting. After yeah. Bedroom, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Well, at that point it none of it seemed like, you know, smoke and mirrors. Like we were just winning and and deserving it. Yeah. Um, game two, not so awesome. I actually, you know, that was the one game of the entire postseason that I like went to bed in the middle of. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is not going to happen. And I'm so tired. <laughs> it's been a lot of baseball. <laughs> it's been a, it, it just was, there was just no way. It just did not feel like that was going to happen in game two. And, you know, there's, and that's Freed's, um, you know, another bad start by Freed. Um, yeah, but there was, you know, there was something to build on at least. I mean, that was the one good thing about that game two in Houston. Freed gives up those five runs in the first two innings and then shuts them down. Um, sorry. Yeah. And then shuts them down for the, the next three. Cause he stopped tipping his pitches. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is the theory. Um, all right, guys, anything else before we head back to Atlanta for game three? Um, no, was nervous too, was because it was all of a sudden like, you know how emotional this is, but after freed and then you realize that Morton is gone, um, and freed may have been figured out and like, they've got all these righties in their lineup that are so tough that you're like, wow, we need two bullpen games now. Like we're going to have to yeah. really stitch this together. This is going to be hard. Well, and, and it was nice to believe that. Freed was tipping his pitches, but it, there was also the fear in my mind that he was just the stage was too big. Sure. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, and yeah, he, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. 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 Or that he was just worn out, too. Yeah. Um, their but, bullpen was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, reading sort of stuff about their bullpen that it was not that great and all this kind of stuff. And then their starters it seemed like that whole series we scored runs off their starters and we did not score a ton of runs off their bullpen. Uh, their bullpen was, was pretty deep and pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Mayton was really good. Yeah. Presley was really good. Odorizzi. We didn't yeah, see Odorizzi. I'm surprised we didn't see more down. of him. I mean, he shut us down in that, in sort of in game one and in game two, I think he, we saw him in game two or maybe it was game one. He shut us down, but then we never saw him anymore. I thought we'd see more of him. Yeah. He did not pitch in game two, but he did. Well, I'm looking at the box scores now. This is good. This yeah, is good this radio. Is, this <laughs> is great radio. People love it. Let's talk, let's talk about our fantasy team. Yes, exactly. No, he went two, oh. two, two and a third in the first game and just gave up one yes. hit with five strikeouts. He he dominated yeah. us. Um, <laughs> he really did. But then we come back to Atlanta, and we two hit the best offense in baseball. And the most yeah, important so that, game right. of the season. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you you know, I don't know what the percentages are, right? But that, you know, game three, when you're tied 1-1, one, one, 
you don't want to lose it in a seven-game series. And right, so that's the five hitless shutout innings for me and Anderson. So were you guys like, you know, hacked off that Snitker pulled him after five? <sighs> yeah. I mean, he I I a, a little bit at the time I was like um we didn't need to, right? We had the run and he was just so dominant, but I I, I he's young and he had thrown, you know, a decent amount of pitches, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing like the results were dominant, but he wasn't – he was kind of all over the place. I mean, he walked three guys. The last couple batters of the fifth inning was a little shaky. Like, I was okay with it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it is the World Series formula of ride your dominant bullpen if you got one. Right. But, yes, 2-0 shutout insane against that offense. Um. And then game four, right? So the first of the two bullpen games. And Kurt, you mentioned it. I did not understand starting Dylan Lee. Like, I guess, you know, you guarantee he comes in in a clean inning. But gosh, you know, I didn't see it. I didn't see it um, other than that. But yes, Kyle Wright. Uh, You know, I mean, you can only give out so many MVPs, but that that was a pivotal moment in the series and for him to throw four and two thirds like that one run i mean it's a huge it's a huge turning point he saved that game yeah going up three one instead of two two i mean it was just massive well and yeah i mean to come in in the first when i'm sure he probably i mean i'm sure he knew he was coming in soon but i can't imagine he thought he was coming in that soon and his last postseason ex- experience was that horrible start he had against the Dodgers where he gave up like 10 runs. So not that you're expecting much out of him. He had a good, he had a good decent, I mean, he had a decent season at Gwinnett. It wasn't like it was standout. And I mean, because he never got called up. And I mean, I think that this probably they just wanted him to work through the entire season at Gwinnett and just, you know, get innings and figure his stuff out and everything and, like that. Yeah. And Snicker actually said that. He said, we'd done a disservice to him in the past. And that's why we left him in triple a to not keep interrupting him. And boy, and I could not off. for the life of me figure out, and I must've texted you 10,000 times. Why in the world did we put Kyle Wright? I mean, of all guys, it's like right. there's guys that have started that have pitched better than Kyle Wright that have pitched more in Atlanta than Kyle Wright. Why is that the like Mueller, somebody like that? It's like, why is he the one that you're choosing to put on this or Richard Rodriguez. I mean, he didn't Richard Rodriguez he wasn't on any postseason roster no. in the entire postseason, which I thought was crazy after they picked him up. I know he was a little shaky at the end there, but I mean, still it's a guy who was dynamic when he was with Pittsburgh and you brought him over for that very reason. And maybe because he couldn't start, he couldn't, or he couldn't give you innings. He couldn't give you four and a third, you know, um, they felt like they had enough bullpen coverage, but I was wrong yet again. I mean, I think that counts like four times now that I've been wrong in this whole process. In your whole life? Whole life. Whole yeah. podcast. Whole podcast. Still, still able to count it on one hand. That's so good, Curtis. Good. That's good. Going podcast downhill. life. Okay. But the, ho- so, I mean, the Solaire Homer was huge. And then the, da- I mean, the back-to-back homers. Well, the that Dansby was, Homer, right? The Dansby Opposite Homer. Field, yeah. No Both against Javier, who's a good pitcher. I mean, he was throwing heat, right? And like... um so exciting <laughs> just so exciting i mean after that and such a close and, game and like and and not supposed to win that game no right winning that game 
Um, yeah. No. And the homers being back to back. I mean, the crowd was just insane. Yeah. And one other turning point. So that was, that was bottom seven. I want to say, yep. That's where they hit the homers bottom seven. Yep. And then top eight, right? So Luke Jackson again, gets the first two guys and then Altuve who had hit a homer earlier in the game, he hits what looks like is just a no doubt double. And that's the Rosario. No look. How in the hell did he catch that catch? That yeah. wasn't so insane. That's when you're like, everything's going our way. We're winning this series. No, totally. That, I mean, to me, that was, that was honestly when we won the series. Because I think if Altuve gets on there. It's a triple. Yeah, it could be. It could be. A because, triple. Except, yeah. yeah, Rosario's momentum was taking him one way. The ball was going to carry him off the wall, completely different direction. Yeah. And it's a one-run game, yeah? I mean, wasn't that still a one-run game? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was 2-1. Or three two rather, sorry. At that point. Is that true? Yeah. Let's see. It was Yeah, three two. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Because Solaire put us ahead. Yeah. I appreciate your need to fact check me. <laughs> Mid show. Well, I you know we Was Solaire still that. have COVID? Yes. <laughs> he was still playing with COVID. I think Josh Hamilton is still in the Astros. <laughs> nice. <Ham>. Nice. <laughs> I've been um, I've yes, been wrong more than Kurt go- on the show. Things go really bad there if Altuve gets on. So, okay. It's uh, it's 3-1 and game five, and the Braves can close it out. And that's the World Series game that I go to. Yes. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> yes. See, we so, had to quit I, doing Atlanta baseball talks with the Braves could win the World Series. And then you go to the game when they're trying to win the World Series. No. <laughs> So my first World Series game ever. Yeah. Um, and my, you know, we rolled. So that was that was the Sunday night game, eight fifteen, first pitch. We walk into the battery Halloween. at like five thirty. Right. And it was so. I mean, I cannot describe how many people were there. That that sort of um that alley, you know, from Wahlburger. Where they had set up, well, I mean, well, you guys probably don't know, but they had set up like a little stage. Mark Owens was there. There was like sort of a hype stage, you know. And this is way far away from like that green space where people camped out and watched the game on the big screen. It was it was truly just wall to wall people for that, you know, two hundred yards to where the gate is to get in by like the kids' area. It was just it was insane. Um. And the crowd was nuts, but, you know, it felt like the crowd was kind of nervous, mm. like really trying to push the action because they didn't want another 3-1, you know, meltdown and don't want to go back to Houston and all that stuff. Like in the first inning, the cheater, cheater, cheater chance for Altuve and Korean Bregman, like so good and so loud and. Duval hits that grand slam, of course, and the crowd just loses its mind. Um, but it felt like relief as much as it felt like celebration there. Mm-hmm. Like it reminded me. So Smoltz on one of the broadcasts was talking about how this team was playing with house money and was loose. And, you know, no one expected them to be here as opposed to the 95 team that had like so much expectation weighing on them that it was just a relief to mm-hmm. win the World Series. 
And I felt like that pressure was on the crowd. It's, like Atlanta's so freaked out. They sounded tight. They got quiet quickly, and it was hard we, for you guys to get loud again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it just it became kind of clear early that this thing was slipping away. Well, when you get the euphoria of that first inning Grand Slam where you seeming – I mean, I was in a house full of people, and there were already people talking about, you know – When's the parade? Where, yeah, yeah, when's the parade? Where, where can I go online to buy my World Series T-shirt and stuff like that? Yeah, and then for a blink of an eye, it's four four. Like oh, they yeah. just erase it immediately, and then Freddie hits that home run, and then you're like, oh my god, here we go! Yeah, now we're back into it. And then your next thing you know, they've scored fifteen runs or something, and it's like, oh darn. Yeah, I mean, and that was look. On the one hand, it felt like. Snitker conceded that game. Like he sent Davidson out too long going Martin and smiley when the game was still in reach felt like a concession. I mean, it felt like he was playing for game six and hoping the game five would work out magically, but he wanted to give the night shift a rest. Yeah. I don't know. Knowing that he had freed and Anderson, you know, to win one more game. I mean, it, it makes sense. And of course it worked out, but it, it felt like a concession at the time. You never want to give up on it. But I mean, especially when it was, you know, eight or seven, five, right? You know, and it still feels pretty close. And then he's got Smiley out there for the last two innings to go out there for the seventh and the eighth. You're like, wait a minute. We just need two runs, right? One person gets on base and gets Soler or Rosario or Freeman up, and we've tied this game. So it did feel like he had, he was not playing to win, which is troubling when it's hard to win a World Series game and you're just waiting for Alvarez and Correa and all those guys to wake up and start doing damage, you know? Right. Well, and Freed had been so bad in the two starts before. Steve, I know you touched on the fact that after the second inning, he pitched much better, but going into game six, after you've seen him be really, really bad, uh, it did not fill me with confidence. And then the game seven is just a total crapshoot, you know, no, I mean, well, with Anderson, you gotta going, win, right? you gotta yeah. win game six. Yeah. yeah. You just have to, but I will say, uh, to your experience and my experience, I mean, watching those games and obviously I didn't go to any of the other ones, but like the fact that, that Joe Buck made mention of how crazy and loud the Atlanta crowd was that the Fox post game guys made comments about how loud and crazy the I flipped it over to MLB. They were talking about how loud and crazy the Atlanta crowd was. It was, it was pretty awesome. And Matzik had a great line, something about it's pretty loud for a sterile shopping mall, you know, right, right. Because of the bill plash. Right. Stuff during the, so NCAA. it was, um, that was great. After all well, these years of everybody telling the Atlanta fans that they're terrible fans yes. and that they don't show up and that they don't make noise. and all You don't times. care about sports and really? it's a football town and all that stuff. Yeah, to be one of the storylines of the postseason was pretty awesome. Well, to not only sell out every game, but to like max out the battery as well. I mean, Oh, yeah. I think there were 100,000 people or something at one of those games. Just all the people that were crammed in all around. I mean, and standing room only tickets were going for a thousand dollars. Standing room only tickets, I think, were going for eighteen hundred by game five. Yeah, which is one of the other reasons I didn't go to another <laughs> postseason game. <laughs> um. So okay, so we head back to Houston. Um. One thing before we get into the gameplay, the one I, I do remember, like 
you know, one of the local sportscasters, maybe it was Maria Martin, who was really good on Twitter during the series, um, shared a picture of Freddie, who was like pregame before game six, just chilling out, leaning in like a, a backstop net and just did not look stressed at all. And I remember thinking, OK, you know, maybe we really do have this. Yeah. Um, and the first inning. So, right. So the, just, the, we yeah, we were to know well, we, we were texting that afternoon while at work and stuff. And there was just a a theme that emerged. I know certainly for Steve, you and I um, of like, I, I just feel different today. I I'm not I don't believe in. I don't believe in curses. I don't believe in jinxes. I don't believe in Atlanta, Atlanta-ing things. I believe that this is, we have the best team today and we're going to win. And I never bet on the Braves because I believe that I can jinx them. I actually am that arrogant that I think I have that power. And I bet, I was like, I'm all in. I cleared out my online Betsy account and put it all in the Braves for game six. I was so confident we were going to win game six. Until the yeah. first inning happened. Until the until, first inning. Until Freak almost broke his ankle. Do you remember, do you remember Rosario's at bat where he hits what's obviously going to be a double and then Kyle Tucker makes that miracle catch? Yes, that's right. That's right. Yep, yep, that, yep. That, that's how the game starts. And I'm like, ooh. And then it was two quick outs. Um, and then the bottom of the first. My God. So the Altuve <sighs> infield single followed by Freed almost getting his – Ankle, Tim Hudson in half. Ripped off. Yeah. I mean, all the PTSD hit me. Oh, my God. It was and so... Brantley never touching the bag and then refusing to re- call for a review. Yeah, somehow never not asking to, to review it. it. Yeah, like instantly, so quickly, so quickly. Walt Weiss is like, nope, nope, nope. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, it felt horrible. Well, and I mean, it, it flashed across my mind. Oh, my God, this is going to have to be the third bullpen game in a row mm-hmm. because Freed's going to be out. But then he wasn't. He was so good. Um, and he gets pissed, you know, it's so great. I mean, and then he just goes strike out, grind out, uh, ground out, strike out to finish the inning. Um, I'm still a little nervous at that point. Cause I'm like, what's going to happen when he's sitting in the bull in the uh, dugout yep. and is it going to tighten up, you know, but that was soon. Um, done away with. And then that Solaire third inning home run. Just that whole at bat. Yeah. yeah. So massive. Yeah. What an at bat. Um, and and just crushed it. Yeah. Just so <laughs> violent. And yeah, exactly. It was crushing. And it kind of felt like we won the game there. I mean, as it turned out, you know, it, it was all we does. needed. But yeah. No, I mean, it, all those. Yeah. Go ahead, Ham. No, no, no. I'm sorry. But I mean, it just like it it evoked to me, Kurt, you said it earlier, like when the Brewers went up two runs twice on us in game four of the NLDS and we came back and scored every time and our, and then Freddie hitting that homer, right? And just Dansby and Solaire and their, like we were the better team. Our offense was going to win. And Stevie, like you just said, like that was the celebration moment. I'm like, he hit it. I'm like, we're just better. We are better than yep. the Astros. They are not coming back. Um, we are the better team. We're the be- and that was like the, such the exclamation point on it. For it to go out of the stadium at this sort of tight game when Freed had been almost hurt, and then he's like, I'm not coming out of this game. Um, it was time for us to win it, and then for us to sort of begin the winning with that shot was just so great. 
so great, unbelievable. And his just just his, I mean, just his sort of swagger. You know, Solaire's definitely a very cocky guy, as you can tell. But like his swagger, and then turning to the dugout and the celebration. Ch- I mean, it's just chest. like and yeah. all the dugout celebrations. I mean, just pump it right into my veins. I cannot get enough of it. But those guys loved each other so much, and all the like. Um, oh God, the dude with the swords, not Adrianza, but yeah, Heredia. Um, yeah, Heredia. Like, I mean, just the. I don't know. Just the celebration began right then. Right then, yeah, like you said. Well, I mean, the, the Braves never lost a back-to-back game in the entire postseason. Yeah, the Braves never faced elimination in the postseason. They were only the only the only game the only time they were down in any series was one to nothing Milwaukee. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because they won Game One of the others. Yeah, yeah. The there was there were so many great shots of. Um, you know, from different angles of the Solaire Homer, where the entire stadium is waving, you know, their orange towels. And then in succession, the towels stop. <laughs> and the, you know, the decent amount of Braves fans that were there yeah. start going nuts. It was just the best. Yeah, I mean, just all the narratives that were floating around, like that the Braves, you know, it was like, oh, this is the worst team, blah, 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 and that they shouldn't, you know, blah. And I'm like, Again, you're overlooking what has happened with this team since the trade deadline. Right. This best is, record, this is, this is not the worst team anymore. Yeah. You know, all the we need to be rooting for Dusty Baker, blah, blah. How are you not rooting for Brian Snitker, the guy <laughs> yeah. who spent 40 plus years in the same organization at every level and not just co- starting at the bottom and coming up? going up and down and up and down and doing everything that the organization has asked him as the loyal soldier that he is not even getting the job straight away when he became the manager after they fired Freddie, you know, it took a year before they gave him that contract. I mean, how is that not the guy that you're rooting for? Yeah. Although there was there, it was there. And I think, you know, I know that there was, this was like what the, a very low ratings world series or whatever, but, um, who gives a crap? It was high ratings for me. Um, but you read like um, Jason Stark, Ken Rosenthal, uh, Jeff Passan, those like the the major MLB guys. And actually, when you looked at the Athletic and Kurt, I know that I, nobody picked them, the Braves um, in the, the Brewers series, but actually pass, uh, Stark and Rosenthal picked the Braves, beat the Astros. None of the other guys did. So I think they started to believe. And then by the end of it, I don't know. The, the, it was very gratifying, the love that the Braves got. That The article, I don't know, there was an ESPN article by Jeff Passan that was sort of lengthy about the whole season and recap. Oh, yeah. It started with, in a ballroom when Acuna had torn his ACL in Miami and then talks about the the Peterson stuff and Kurt, all the stuff that you had mentioned, and then the flurry of trade deadline stuff and then just the bonding that happened and the uh, – uh, vote Stephen Vogt is that his name right the, the catcher yep. who came in and did his like Ted Lasso type thing just like right. I don't know the love that the <laughs> national media gave the Braves felt like was so overdue but like there right they they it wasn't like oh the Astros lost this or the Dodgers blew it they're like these are two very good teams that got their asses kicked by a much better team you know and the Braves er- earned everything that they got yeah it, w- it was only the the network broadcast guys who kept slobbering over the Dodgers and the Astros, but the writers, yeah. you're right, did not. 
Although yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think Joe Buck was that bad, but Smoltz was unbearable. Oh. Ron Darling was unbearable. Although, so my dad, my dad is a good Dodgers friend, and he's like the his friend, his friend sent him unsolicited. He's like, why does Ron Darling love the Braves? Why does Joe Buck? I mean, why are they cheering for the Braves unabashedly over the Dodgers? I think it's like, I think you sort of hear what you want to hear when you're listening to now, you know, because they just want to keep the game. In, I don't know. I'm not going to defend either of those guys, but. I don't think they were as bad as it feels like. It wasn't Tim McCarver. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we win. And oh then we win. God. We dismantle we win the, the Astros. Series. Yeah. You know, two, and two more. He went with Matzik again, seventh inning and eighth inning, like he did to uh, close out the NLCS. Yep. You know, it, it was freed to Matzik to Will Smith. Will Smith, I believe, except for one game, right? There was one blowout. But other than that, he saved every single victory. Or appeared in every victory. I mean, he didn't get a save here. But, yeah, I think he did, right? Was there a victory that he didn't appear in? I don't think so. Let's look um, it up on the show. Let's check it out real quick. We'll, 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 do, there that. Was the, we'll do that for 503. <laughs> the, the, there was the 9-2 victory over the Dodgers. No, and he still pitched the ninth inning. Yeah, he just, of course, it wasn't a save. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, I still, yeah, I still can't believe it. You know, I, I wanted um, Matic to win co-MVP for the NLCS, which he really, really should have. And even for the World Series. Yeah. I mean, there were so many. There were so many. Matzik was amazing. And we've talked about this a lot. Darno was just amazing. He caught every single inning. Um, I mean... We talk about how great that and was an amazing backstop too. It was My an God. amazing backstop, and you know, and, and Curtis, you mentioned some key hits. He had a key homer um, in one of those games, um, and he threw out all those guys at second. Yes. No, oh, no, no. So, but okay, yes, that's true. But just, I mean, we just talked about he went through the Dodgers and the Astros lineup, and all that credit you have to give those pitchers and all those like the Lees and the Davidsons and the, I mean, you know, he caught a lot of different guys against some really tough lineups and we shut him down. I mean, I think he deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, I agree. And he's, I just love watching him catch. I mean, every pitch that's, he's just very encouraging and pointing back at the catch, you know, even if they don't get the calls and stuff, I just, I, I love him back there. I do love all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about the parade for a second. So Curtis, you were downtown for the part one of the parade, what a what was your experience down there for the Peachtree Five Hundred? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it was over before you knew it. Yeah, uh, you know, I I, I skipped the parade in nineteen ninety five. Um, I just, you know, I I was so excited about that, but didn't feel like I needed to go and watch guys in buses. So I was excited to go. Obviously my kids were not around in 1995 and they were super excited to go. They really wanted to be part of it. And they stayed up every night. You know, I let them stay up because this obviously experience does not come along very often, especially being in Atlanta. And I wanted them to, to cherish this and they're huge baseball fans they are huge Braves fans. So this was really important to them to, Uh, be part of this experience and then have the experience of getting to go and see the parade. So I'm just prefacing with that. It was super disappointing. Um, <laughs> they clearly had no interest in the downtown parade. I will just put that out there. And my opinion shared by many people who were at that um, event. 
Um, they were hauling ass. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They were, it was um, sort of, you know, like if you saw them on the highway going towards Cobb County, you got as much as we got out of it. You couldn't really tell who was in certain buses um, because they were going by so fast. And disappointing for me, but especially for my kids and for all the kids um, that were out there at that parade looking to see Freddie and Dansby and, you know, all the great players that the Braves have, the great young players, the great exciting young players that the Braves had, and the World Series champions that the Braves are now. And to not give, you know, I know that there's all the politics about Cobb County and Atlanta and, and everything else, but we, as the city, deserve as much of that celebration as do the folks in Cobb County. Um, and so it was just very disappointing that they, um, what felt like a deliberate snub to um, the Atlanta portion of that parade. Yeah, I might characterize it less as a snub and more of a checking lip service. Yes, perfect. Obligatory yeah, you know, I mean, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, championship parades are the players are very slowly moving down the street so you can see them yeah. and yell and you know it was not that it's for the fans um, right? it's, yeah, exactly <clears throat> um and, and that's betting, what they I'm totally a got lot of money yeah i'm betting a lot of money came from inside the perimeter to go to these games as much as it was outside the perimeter yeah yeah maybe i mean the the heat maps that they use to um justify the move up there of where the ticket buyers were would tell you different but who knows yeah those are for regular season tickets <laughs> right right not eighteen hundred dollars standing room tickets sure um so you know the the one thing i will say uh, you know the the scenes from from the battery and truest were pretty great and i loved the sign freddie stuff that the players did on the stage you know yeah. starting with dansby um that was just terrific i mean that, and there were some I, I will throw a couple of fun things um so it was great to see soroka on one of the buses he was on a bus with freed uh luke jackson pounded a beer and threw the beer can out which i thought was awesome and hilarious jock peterson was throwing um, pearl necklaces off the bus like he was at mardi gras or something so <laughs> there were some funny aspects to it fill the bucket our our good friend on Twitter was was in one of the buses with the freeze. So, you know, there were some fun parts of it. I just wish we had had the opportunity to see them driving less than 65 miles an hour. <laughs> right. Um, so, all right, look, let's trot out some of our greatest hits and play fair or foul and shot in the dark. Ooh. Uh, but first, a quick break. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So, guys, let's do some off-season fair or foul. So this is where I throw something out there and we agree with it fair or disagree with it foul. So, Hammy, first for you, fair or foul, the most obvious question that we were going to ask in this podcast, the Braves re-sign Freddie. Foul. No way. Washed Whoa, up. Not really? worth it. No, of course they're signing him. Oh. It's like the all this stuff around it was so – the Joe Buck thing of like – when he hit his homer in game six and was like, maybe his last as bad as the Braves. Like, come on. Um, I bet they sign him. So, yes, absolutely. I just can't see a world where they do not sign him. I just don't I just don't see it happening. I say he gets seven years, $190 million. Okay. Um, Curtis, how about you? Uh, fair, 100%. I, I, I didn't read the article, but I it was – I think it was an interview with Anthopoulos and he was assuring us that the payroll was going to go up next year, which seems to point that they will have to, they will be resigning. He said he's um, going to resign all the, all the core and add to it. He's got the money yep. for it. Uh, I said six at one fifty. Yeah. So Anthopoulos's quote from Sunday morning was, we love him. He's great. We want him to stay. He wants to stay. Our goal is to sign him and keep him a brave. That's probably all I can say at this point. So, look, I'm with you guys, fair. I think they re-sign him. It's a little weird that they let it go to this point and didn't write. They have exclusive rights until 5 p.m. this Sunday, which has come and gone. So, he, you know, he's going to be talking to teams. I mean, it's going to happen. But. Yes, I do agree he would be a brave. I've got him at seven for $200 million. Yeah. We shall see. All right, Curtis, fair or foul? Ozuna plays another day in a Braves uniform. I don't see how that is even remotely possible. I know that they just reinstated him, if that's the correct term for what they did. Um, and I think that I think all this is just procedural so they can – Get rid of him. I'm sure that they're trying to figure out clauses in his contract where they can release him for cause because of the the off field issues. Although I still don't. I mean, I I don't think these charges are still pending. I th- they were dropped. Right? I thought they were dropped. Well, That's right. So what? So what happened is the felony assault charge was dropped. It was reduced. It was reduced to two Mr. Me- two misdemeanors: an assault and family violence charge which they settled. It's like in the process of being settled because Ozuna agreed to enter some programs that, you know, if he follows all the steps could result in those charges being dropped. So that's where it's at. I mean, with all that, I don't think they're getting out of the contract. Um, You know, what's going to play out next, right. Is that the, the MLB um, investigation is still ongoing. Wink, wink. I mean, they were just waiting for the World Series to end and, you know, for this stuff to, <clears throat> you know, the the plea and all that stuff to play out. But I do think he gets suspended. 
you know, I think that's what's next. Um, Do you think he plays so another I, day in a Braves uniform? Uh, foul. No, I don't. I think he's going to get like a hundred game suspension. And then the Braves will trade him and eat it and, you know, eat some of the cash. That's, that's my guess. Hammy, what about you? Yeah. I, I don't know if, I, I mean, it's a, I think that sounds very plausible probably, I'm, but I'm with Kurt. I just don't see how with all the stuff that he just plays another game with us. It's just too much water under the bridge. Well, and, and, you know, if Anthopolis is really that guy about clubhouse chemistry and good guys, Ozuna, not a good guy. You know, uh, look, I know that even that's political or something that I've said that, but Ozuna, not a good guy. And if you think otherwise, then I don't know what to tell you. I just can't see them letting him walk back into that clubhouse. No. All right. Hammy, fair or foul? Both Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler are Braves next year. Hmm. Yeah. So I definitely think Rosario is, and I've um, just because he's a lefty, and I think he gives us a little bit more versatility. Um, you know, Soler and Duvall. It, it feels like you know it's probably one of those, like another power hitting right-handed bat who strikes out a lot. I definitely think Soler got hot. I think he's going to regress a little bit. Um, so I, I'm not as convinced on Soler as I think I would be on Rosario, but I actually do think both of them will be back. I think it will, we will not see Peterson. I don't think we'll see Duvall again, um, unless he's in, and maybe he's signed for another year. And of course I'm an idiot and didn't realize that, but, um, but I, I do think we'll see Rosario and Soler again. So fair. Okay. Curtis, how about you? I, I agree. Um, I think that they find a way, to, especially with the DH coming to the National League next year, I think that is probably going to end up being the case. Soler would be a perfect DH to have on the on the team. Um, more so, much more so than Duvall. Uh, breaking news, uh, Max Fried and Duvall both just won gold gloves. Uh, nice. nice. Um, but Soler seems like an ideal DH to have on your, especially with how thin and lacking in power the bench really was with some of these other guys that they had on there. Um, so yeah, I think it's fair that they're both back. Yeah. So I'm going to go foul. I mean, they're both unrestricted free agents, so there's no guarantees, right? I mean, someone could just outbid us money or years. Um, so ham Duval, there is a mutual option of 7 million for 2022. Hmm. Um, so I, or, or, or a $3 million buyout. <clears throat> so I, I'm assuming that Duval is back. I think one of Rosario and Soler are back. I think it's Soler. Um, his plate discipline got, was so good when he arrived, like they really unlocked something with Soler and that light, that true light tower power, um, yeah. yeah, I just, if I had to pick, I'm, I'm bringing Solaire back. But, and I agree with you. I mean, Jock, for all his, you know, being the reason we won the World Series and everything, my God, you know, you just saw what he was as an everyday player. And it's, he's not that great at the plate. No, he's not. I mean, he's just got so many holes in his swing. And I mean, that's the thing with Solaire has such a small heat zone i just I, I i worry about that curtis if if it was just rosario or soler who came back who do you think it would be um 
it seems like Rosario offers you more, but he might also get offered more money yeah. because of that to go somewhere else. And Soler was really quite bad for a little while now before this last great spurt he had with the Braves. So Rosario is probably more valuable in the open market. Yeah. I just, I just heard you say Steve's wrong and I'm right. That's all I needed to hear. Thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if that's what it took. Thank you. You're, you're a big person, man. I am. <laughs> um, all right, guys, before we close out the show with our um, off season shot in the dark, we're going to review our 2021 predictions. So Kurt, you know, we, at the end of our, what was our last show? We we did some predictions for what was going to happen in 2021. So how did we do? I didn't even did we do any did we do an off season shot in the dark at the end of the last show? I don't even remember. I, I don't have that information. If we did, yeah, so I'm not I, even I, sure I why I, I think just I picked. That on I said the Braves are going to win the World Series and sign right, four right. people. Well, trade Rosario would be yeah. an LCS MVP. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we can hold on one of those points very very soon. Uh, okay, real quick. So home run leaders is the first one. We always do this one. Um, so Ham had Acuna with 41. Steve had Freddie Freeman with 39. I had Acuna with 50. I saw a 50-50 season coming from Acuna this year. God, yeah. Uh, of course, the correct answer, we were all wrong. The correct answer was Austin Riley with 33. Uh, the second one, because he had such a huge impact on the team this year, regarded Pache uh, mm. over and under on his batting average of 245. Uh, Ham went under. Uh, I went over. Steve went over. Uh, no, sorry. Steve went over. I went under. The uh, He batted 111. So that would be under. Under. Um, Riley Homers, we already touched on this. Over and under, we did very low. We said over and under on Riley Homers, 15. Uh, Ham went over. Steve went under. <laughs> Sorry. More to come on laughing at Steve. Okay, good. Um, I went over. It was, of course, over. Hey, and, and just real quick, still like impossible that Riley was probably a week from being sent down and then became like a top five. Yeah, and then was almost it was in the MVP discussion at the end. Yeah, of the became a, a, a cornerstone of the team. Unbelievable. It is crazy, uh, even broadening, as Ham was talking about before, as an Atlanta fan, the level of young talent currently residing on the rosters of the Atlanta Hawks and the Atlanta Braves. If you are not excited about those two teams, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, fourth question, Dansby trips to the DL um, over and <laughs> under at one and a half. Um, we all went over. I went over at three, which was the high one. He actually had zero trips to the DL, as yeah. far as I could tell. I went through as much information. No, I, I don't think find, so. Did not find any trips to the DL for Dansby. So good for him. We were all wrong. Starter ERA leaders. Uh, Ham went Ian Anderson. Steve went Mike Soroka. Oh. God bless you. Uh, I went with Max Fried. It was Max Fried with nice. a 3.04. Curtis. Um, what was he in Do you all think Soroka pitches again? Yes. God, I hope so. I don't know, though. That yeah, I tough. don't want to say no because it breaks my heart to say no. So I hope so as well. Um, saves leader. Ham went Smith. Steve went Martin. Steve Martin. Uh, I went Smith. The answer, of course, was Smith with 37. Um, NL East, first and second. Ham, Mets, Braves. Ooh. Steve, Braves, Mets. Kurt, Braves, Mets. Some of those people were half right. Uh, Braves wins. 
Ham, 91. Steve, 94. Kurt, 92. Of course, they won 88 games, so we were all wrong there. NL Division, Ham didn't get any of these right. Mets, <laughs> Mets, St. Louis, San Diego. No, sorry, who is that? L.A., San Diego, and Atlanta as the Wildcards. Of course, those were all wrong. Uh, Steve got Atlanta winning the East, then said St. Louis and L.A. Of course, they were both wildcard teams. And then San Diego and New York Mets, who, of course, didn't make the playoffs at all. And Kurt did the exact same thing that Steve did. Uh, AL Division, Ham, Yankees, wrong. White Sox, yes. Houston, yes. Tampa as the wild card. Of course, they won the East. Toronto did not make the playoffs. Uh, Steve, New York Yankees, we already know that's wrong. Minnesota, wrong. Houston, correct. Tampa won the division. And Oakland, wrong. Mm. Kurt, Yankees, White Sox, Dodd, oh, Angels. Mm. You know, this is like my pick that I'm going to do every year until this actually comes true. I picked the Angels to win the West yet again. Of course, they were in like last place. Minnesota, Houston is the wild card. So we, Ham won that one with two correct. World Series. Ham, do you remember who you picked for the World Series? Um, no. Was it Astros Dodgers again? Nope. San Diego Yankees with the Yankees winning it all. Okay. S- Steve, do you remember who you picked for the World Series? I think it was Yankees Dodgers. Correct. With the Yankees winning it all. Kurt, Atlanta White Sox with Atlanta winning nice, it all. Nice, Kurt. Good nice, point. Kurt. So Steve finished with three correct. <laughs> Ham finished with five correct, and I finished with nine correct. Wow! So Kurt. 2021 goes to me. Thank Boom! You well done, Kurt. Well it took done. to the last season of the podcast, but you finally won one. I know. It is true. Yes, one and fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So um, let's finish off with an off-season shot in the dark. So. Uh, Hammy, what do you got? Um, I yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, it's it's what what do you do? What do you give the man who has everything? Um, <laughs> like we've won it now. I can't even imagine what to do to the team. So, um, I I'm gonna put a bold one out there. Uh, I think the Braves either sign Robbie Ray or Kevin Gossman. Okay, I yeah. like it. I've got. One of Pache, Drew Waters, or Kyle Muller get traded in the offseason in a big trade. Mm. Which, of course, Anthopolis has yet to do since he's gotten here to trade anyone of any value. But maybe this is the year. All right, Curtis, how about you? Um, I don't really have a name, but I think that the Braves go out and sign a big frontline starting pitcher based on their concerns that Mike Soroka never returns and Charlie Morton is 38 years old. Yeah. yeah. That's what, I mean, that's where I am. So Curtis, you're looking at Scherzer, Stroman, Robbie Ray, Kevin Gosman, uh, the dude from the White Sox who had sort of a bust out year this year, Cordon Gord, uh, I forgot. Anyway, that's who you're looking at. Those are your those are the in the top twenty of your frontline starters who are free agents. Now, does Verlander count? Oh, I guess Verlander's up there, but he yeah, Verlander. I guess Verlander does count. You you're going to replace Morton with Verlander? Maybe. I guess if you go on a one year deal. Well, look. I mean, heading into next year, you've got Freed, Morton, Anderson, Kyle Wright, probably. Maybe is your four. 
Maybe, but we thought that coming into this season. Yeah, yeah, I know. I hear you. Um, Mower looked really good in his limited opportunities. I still don't think you, that's something you want to bank on coming into this offseason. No, and my, my point right. is they they need to sign one or two starting pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's not Stroman. I don't think it's sure. That's why I think it's like I, – I would love for it to be Robbie Ray. He's a lefty, um, but he's going to command a lot of money. I guess it's just are we going to be willing to give him the years and the dollars? You know, yeah, I wanted I mean, Stroman sure, a couple sir. years ago. Yeah, you did. Uh, Scherzer almost seems interesting. I mean, I know that the money will be crazy thrown at him, but maybe after his dead arm and sort of weak postseason performance, he's in his age that he's a little more obtainable. Oh, I'd be all for that. My God. Oh yeah, me too. Hundred percent. So fun. Um. All right, guys. Any final thoughts? We are World Series champions, and we will be forever. It's so great. And I will say, as much as I loved winning 1995, this one was so much, so much more fun. So much better. So fun. I miss playoff baseball already. So bad. I went the next night. I went and rewatched Game Six when we were supposed to have Game Seven. I've just just watched like the quick view of it because it was just so great. I miss it already. So great. Well, guys, look, we you know. We didn't picture this happening, but uh, um, it was great to do it. Nice to be back with you two. And- Absolutely. How about we make a commitment? If every year the Braves win the World Series, we'll do a reunion show. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be there. We'll for have you. to talk later, Steve, whoever you are, Frank, ballpark, um, Frank. I, I do want to remind people there are no more koozies. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make that very, very clear. But you no can hear business. Kurt on Australian podcasts. That you, is, you true. can still continue to hear Kurt on his side gig, appearing on Australian podcasts. You know, it's Australian rules football talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, guys, that is the show. A big thanks, seriously, to everyone on Twitter who started asking for this as soon as the Braves made the playoffs, and more and more as the run went on. So. I guess I'll really be saying this for the last time, for real now. Remember, you can find us at Spreaker, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. As always, you can find us at AtlantaBaseballTalk.com to access all of our shows and to post in our comments section. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ATL Baseball Talk and to like us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and go Brave! Thanks for listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. To find new shows, to post in our forum, or to send a comment, please visit us at atlantabaseballtalk.com. Had to admit the problem.